Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining me once again. Today, we delve into the world of digital government, and I think it's a... For those of us who are in the content space, digital government is fundamental, really, to the way we create value for citizens and stakeholders and to understanding the changes that are coming. And today we speak to Brian Lee Archer, who is the Managing Director of Government and Health Industry Practice for the global giant um, Accenture. They really are a huge company in this space, uh, not only just in government and health industry, but sort of across everywhere, you know, involved in all sorts of projects. But before Brian was involved in Accenture, he held senior uh, positions at SAP. And interestingly, between sort of 2014, 2017, when he was working with SAP, he set up this really interesting um, institute for digital government. And I I really do looking forward to uh, having that conversation with him about that as well. A distinguished public servant who spent Mm -hmm. many, many years working in the government, understanding just exactly how does government relate better and use technology to to, uh, create value in in the community, and also has worked with IBM as, as well over the years. But he joins me in the studio now. So Brian, thanks very much for being in transition. Thank you, David. Thanks for the, uh, the opportunity to, to speak to you and your listeners. So you, you've been involved in this game for a long time, the sort of digital government space. How would you characterise where we are at the moment on this topsy-turvy ride? <laughs> and the reason I say that is I've, I had a presentation um, yesterday from a, a colleague who's getting into the artificial intelligence space and showing me the applications of artificial intelligence. And we've spoke, had a great mm. conversation here this morning in the office with Accenture and my head's still spinning around <laughs> the capabilities that, um, you know, the, a giant company like Accenture has. So how do we sort of distill all of that and make sense of, of where digital technology is and how it's changing the relationships between governments and citizens? Look, that's a really, it's a really good question. And I think the one of the things to keep in mind with digital and uh, you know, is that digital's been around for a long time. Uh, you know, and the, as the tech industry, of course, you know, we we love to, you know, make things sound like everything is always new and, and, um, and you know, we, we're very good at hyping things up at times. But, of course, you know, one of the examples that I will sort of highlight to people is, you know, 1969, we put a man on the moon. How did, how did he get there? It was digital technology um, sitting behind, uh, you know, the, uh, the Apollo program. So digital itself is not new. It's what we can do with it and how we can leverage it and how we can, you know, and how we make use of it that's really sort of starting to change. Mm. Um, I often think back to, uh, again, the, in the, uh, the late 1990s, early 2000, you know, around year 2000, we had the phenomenon of e-government was certainly the, uh, you know, all the rage. Everyone was talking about e-government and in the context of what was happening then with the dot-com boom, Government as we knew it was going to radically change because of this thing called e-government. Of course, if we look at uh, in 2017, 
what do we expect our governments to do? Pretty much the same as what we expected them to do 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So, you know, protect us, to educate us, to give us good health. And so, again, one of my sort of mantras is the fundamentals of government haven't changed. So when we say digital government, you know, it's not that there's some magic new form of government out there. You know, it's just digital just opens up a way of changing the way we can do government in terms of getting better policy getting and, and getting better solutions to the to the problems that have been there for many years. Mm. But I think and this podcast really is directed to people who work in communication. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I'm speaking on behalf of that audience now, mm. that it's unsettling sometimes when you do see this technology and you mm. do see this in, in action and you just think, how am I going to get on top of this analytics thing? How mm. am I going to, you know, artificial intelligence, new technology, smart machines? It's all moving so fast. Mm. It's trying to understand which part of it you grab on and where is it that you can create value because I know it's a... It's a disturbing feature of the world that we're in now that things mm. seem to be moving at such a clip. We want to all add value, but sometimes it's hard to grab onto the piece that we that we can decide that that's mm. where we're going to be able to create the value. And look, and that that's the the issue is it, you know use that word value because the question you need to be asking yourself where is value being created? Now, of course, there's lots of digital technology out there, and you know, and and it is it's coming at us like a fire hose of of all these different technologies. As I, said, as I said before, going back to the fundamentals of what does government need to do and getting back to what's the real business problem and then how can I sort of take it, which technologies are appropriate, which ones are mature, which ones are at the right, um, the right level of, uh, of maturity that I can actually address a real business problem. You know, as again, from the tech industry point of view, there's a tendency to say, here is, here is artificial intelligence, here is machine learning, here is the internet of things, and what's wrong with you? You should be using this. Um, whereas you've just got to go back and say, well, no, I have a business problem. You know, I've got to try and get better health outcomes or I've got to try and you know, secure the, the nation's borders. And so you know, going back to those basic principles of looking at the business problem and then seeing well, what technologies could add value or help me add value in solving that problem. This is where the analytics side, though, becomes very, in, very important because it helps with forming the evidence base. So I mean, you know, if you think about a concept of you know, evidence-based management, which again is, I think is a, you know, is a very important principle here, is getting better data, better insight into information that can actually help inform the policy process so that the interventions could be digital or they could in fact be quite manual. You know, sometimes perhaps the best solution is that we've worked out that there's a cohort of people that the best way we can, you know, service their needs, send somebody out to go and talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've used digital and we've used analytics to work out or predict this is the cohort of people that that's the most effective intervention for. Mm. That's a good use of digital. Right. Um, but in fact, you know, good old-fashioned face-to-face talking. Was the outcome. Was the outcome. Yeah. But, and what about analytics capabilities and, and the, those ap- applications? How, how, how do you view those at the moment? How comprehensive are they and how widespread are those skills? Uh, look, it's, there's certainly it, – this is growing very fast and I think one of our – the challenges is, is the, um, 
and I think it's an issue for government, is about transparency because there is a lot of um, concerns as the, you know, in terms of how we're using all this data and information. And, you know, in using information, there is great opportunity, but with that comes risk. I mean, you know, in, in, as we go down this digital path and as we start to make better use of data and information, it's not risk-free. And I think as, and we need. What do you to, mean by that? Well, in terms of, um, it's like anything. It's, you know, if, if we put all this data together, um, and actually, if I go back, a simple <laughs> example. You think about in the health sector, yep. where we've, in terms of the, uh, you know, with the human genome and you know DNA, you know, science is basically giving us incredible insight into individuals. You know, and. You can do a DNA test and, you know, and, and you can map, your ge- map all your, your genes and you can get an indication of likelihood of or risk factors in terms of particular diseases. Now, as an individual, you, I think, well, that's fantastic. And you can take some preventative strategies. But you wouldn't want that in the hands of your life insurance company or even maybe your health insurance company or even your employer. So here we have, we're getting great insight from all this information that you personally could get great value from and as a society we could get collective value but there are risks. Mm. And so we have, to, we have to then look at the moral and ethical challenges that arise from how we use this data. And, and I think that's the challenge now is because as we go deeper and deeper and we like to think our governments and certainly we're very fortunate here in Australia, we have good government, that these will be done, that this data and information will be used for you know good purposes, mm. but of course there's always a potential dark side. Mm. You know, it could be used you know, against us, or you know, used in a way that may not be in you know what we think is our best interests. But how does government get the social license then to access and analyse data at a time when trust in institutions such as government globally yeah. is challenged? You mentioned that word trust, and yeah, this is this is a real a real dilemma because you know as we see, public trust is falling in, in many different dimensions. Um, an example I, I I look at is if you think about what happened in you know in the US with the uh, the National Security Agency and the Eric Snowden, um, and of course what you saw happen there was he lifted the lid on what was happening behind the scenes with a lot of you know data collection. Now, of course, most of us would look at it and say, yeah, but the fact that the NSA is doing a very important job. I mean, we know there's the, you know, protecting the nation. So we want to have an agency like that. And it's good to know that, you know, our governments can do, are doing that sort of thing to protect us. But what I think the Snowden revealed was that as a public, we didn't understand or appreciate how or what was being done. Mm. And, and there was a lack of transparency. So I think that's the question or the point then is we have to have a lot more transparency. Now, that will again present another challenge because, you know, of course, you know, certainly at national security level, you know, there's going to be a limit to how much transparency because, you know, if the bad guys know what you're looking for, then they'll can, you know, they can work around the system. Mm. But I think that's the, that's the point here and this is where it comes obviously to your listeners is around this communication to get that trust back. You know, as we start to take advantage of these technologies, use this data, we have to be very upfront about 
what's the value that we are delivering by doing this, then identifying these are some of the risks that come with that, but here's how we are mitigating those risks. So it's you know, three parts to it, the value, the risk, and then showing you're mitigating it. Mm. If you just try and say, oh, this is all good and, and focus on the good side and don't address the other side, then people will be very sceptical mm. um, because of that trust issue. And I think, yeah, transparency. I, mean, I think that's, you know, if there's, one, if there's one word in terms of how we sort of try and build that trust back is saying, yeah, do, do good things with this data but tell us what you're doing and how you're doing it. But isn't it counterintuitive really around much of public sector culture <laughs> is that transparency is a difficult thing because mm. they, uh, you know, and I suppose this is a, there's a broad generalisation I suppose, but, mm. you know, it's the government of the day, the minister, protection of the minister's interests, do you, and, and decision-making made and reasons that have been there to make decisions. You know, it's, it's often a very, very complex cocktail that goes into mm. ultimately a, a policy or program or regulation, regulatory decision. So, mm. you know, it, the reflexive nature is maybe we don't really want to show them how we're making these sausages, but yeah. what you're saying is to rebuild the trust, you're going to have to show how the sausages are being made. You, you do, and I and uh, and I think going back to the point I made earlier about evidence-based management, is I think it's incumbent upon us to develop that evidence base, and the evidence base you know covers several criteria. Some of which is personal experience and, and professional expertise. That's a component of a of an evidence-based management component, as well as say scientific literature and your own data and doing stakeholder consultation. The decision maker okay, may then, you know, for a variety of reasons, decide to do one thing or another. And, okay, and that's the political process. And, you know, and it's hard to you know, sometimes understand how that political process works. But as a minimum, you want to be able to say, but there was the evidence that was presented. The decision, you know, if they want to, you know, um, sometimes they may be a good reasons why they say, well, this won't be as transparent as perhaps everyone would like but there's an evidence base to say that's why we did it. Mm. Um, and so that when the, you, know, you come to the public scrutiny or you know, accountability, you know, they can at least demonstrate that there was good process in, how, in, in making those decisions. Yes. Uh, as opposed to just a, well, you know, we just don't believe in, you know, we don't think the public have a right to know this and so we're just not going to you know, keep them informed. Yes. You know, what was the evidence for making those decisions? Yeah. And... Uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, and of course with digital, these things are moving much faster. So those decision-making cycles, of course, you know, in terms of, you know, are much shorter in terms of getting the evidence and being able to present it. And some people tend to think that when you talk about evidence-based management, it implies time, you know, a lengthy time. Oh, it's gonna, we haven't got time to do all that yes. uh, consultation and, and, and evidence gathering. Um, but again, you know, with uh, you know, with digital technologies and whatever, it is possible to be able to at least form, you know, some sort of evidence base beyond just this is what I think or feel, um, in you know, in very short periods of time, because that's the advantage of having all this data available, you know, online and and uh, available in sort of data stores and whatever. How well do you believe government is managing that challenge around? 
taking the good mm. of of digital, um, that ability to gather evidence, mm. um, but to manage those quicker cycles. You know, again, mm. it's a you know government is not known for its agility. Mm. Um, how is it going? And, and I suppose it's very hard to say, but, mm-hmm. you know, let's just talk about, say, you know, the Australian government. How do you believe they're performing at the moment in terms of being able to extract value from the digital transformation? I think you. I think there's certainly, uh, you know, good examples of some very good performance. I think it's a, you know, it's just like anything. If you look across the board, there'll be uh, some parts doing extremely well, other parts, you know, maybe not you know, moving quite as, as quickly. But generally, you know, across the board and, and certainly in my experience, you know, I've worked all around the world, um, certainly in my times at SAP and IBM, you know, having opportunity to see lots of different governments in operation. And, you know, I always get reminded when I do work outside Australia to say, actually, what's happening here is pretty good. You know, okay. we, we do a good, we are doing a good job. Um, but where we're challenged, you know, the challenges are, and it comes down to the, the old the old bogey, I suppose, for all Australian uh, governments has been, you know, say federal state relate, you know, getting the federal state cooperation. Yep. That's where I think once we once we master that ability to be able to exchange information between our federal and state agencies, you know, I think that's when we'll really start to get to say, you know, really start to. Im- make some real advances on some of these more wicked, say, social problems that we're yep. dealing with and whatever. Because often we just have a – there's a separation between, say, you know, some data's at a federal level, some's at a state. It's not easy sometimes to come, you know, no. to bring those together and for good reasons. There's, you know, there's lots of, you know, there's important privacy and data protection legislation that has to be worked through and that, that takes time. But surely they can make some – advances faster than they are at the moment because if I'm, for example, in South Australia mm. or I'm in New South Wales, really shouldn't my sort of data protection rights be the same? Like I just live in a different part of Australia. <laughs> well, I suppose it's a bit like rail gauges, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, but I suppose the point is that the yeah. rail gauge question was a long time ago. Why are we still having those discussions, cross-jurisdictional yeah. discussions, Yeah. you know? Hundred years after the fact. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. I wish. I wish there was a. You know, there was an easy answer to that. And uh, you know, and I think you know the digital. What's happening is in a way just exposes those same sorts of issues, and it just comes down to you know how do we get people sitting in a room and and, and working these things through. I think there is a there's a much greater recognition, and there are I think there's some great initiatives going on. Um, let's say through the you know the digital transformation agency through the. Um, um, PM and C, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, which are you know looking very clearly. The Productivity Commission, of course, is due to release a report very soon um, on this whole question of you know, of data and you know and data sharing and whatever. So it's recognised. Yeah, I mean, everyone. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we know it's an issue. Oh, plenty and of talking. <laughs> um, and you know, and it's just a matter of you know having to work through the you know the you know, obviously the political processes and whatever. Mm. Um, and this is the thing: it's not a technology issue. You know, the technology, no. you know... Waiting at the gate. It's, the technology is <laughs> waiting at the gate. But at the same time, I think it's important that, you know, that the political processes and, you know, and public do have a, you know, are involved in this and, 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 and is an important check and balance because, you know, as an IT industry, you know, for the first 40, 50 years of the IT industry, you know, we all had it pretty good because everything that IT did, we looked... We looked at it and said, "That's marvelous. This is all great. This is all fantastic." It was, in a way, it was you know, taking us onwards and upwards. But we're now reaching a point, and you know, and it, and it is because of you know things like with data and whatever, 
we're reaching a point where, oh, hang on, we need to sort of just, just stop a minute and, and reflect and say, okay, how far you know, is this taking us exactly where we want to go? Or are we ready for where it's potentially taking us? Mm. And the Zen is some of these new technologies like artificial intelligence and, and, and you know, you know, sort of march forward. I think it's, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us as, you know, from a political level through to um, society that we do stop and think and reflect uh, and have that opportunity to really say, guide, where do we want this to go? Mm. Or, and have some sort of impact, uh, influence on it and not just be, just to be waiting for the IT industry to say, you take us wherever you want us to. Yeah. So this podcast is really for people working in, in communication. So yep. what role can they play in, say, facilitating this discussion, mm. you know, in terms of the, the content piece that can, you know, be that atomic particle that's going to spark you know, the, the insight, the debate, the discussion that's mm. going to lead to the, the clarity, hopefully, that mm. enables society to move forward? Well, I think, I think what, what uh, people in government communications need to do is put some, you know, is bring some, um, some ration, uh, uh, be rational about some of these uh, debates and arguments. I mean, again, thinking from a tech industry point of view, remembering where it's coming from is, you know, it's about, it's about push, you know, and you know, this technology, you should all be doing it, you should all be using it, it's going to take over the world almost, you know, in terms of <coughs> the future of work question. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, there's a, and there's, look, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a self-interest in sort of promoting that these things are perhaps moving a lot faster, mm. uh, more rapidly than perhaps, you know, they really are. Um, but this is this anxiety-inducing yeah. sort of that I find yeah. in my role is yeah. that you just think, God, you know, I'm just a hack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a hack journal who likes yeah. to write stories. Yeah. You know, trying to deal with it, but at the same time wanting to create the value. How mm. do you resist that? You know, if you don't have a, if you can't do this, then you, you know you, you struggle sometimes trying to understand where that value piece is and yeah. and, and what you can do. Well, and I say I think that's where we we look to our governments and we look to them to sort of give that reassurance. That's you know in these times of you know of changing times and troubled times and whatever. I mean, it, it is that sort of, you know, stability of, you know, of leadership that, that can come from government to say, you know, hey, you know, yes, things are changing, but uh, in terms of, you know, and the workforce is going to be, is going to, you know, an industry and whatever is going to experience lots of change, but at the same time, you know, we're here to protect you. We're here to, you know, and, you know, and as a government, and we look to our governments to say, you know, make sure there will be programs in place or there will be policies in place that say, well, as these technologies come in, there will be change and yet we have, you know, policies and programs yeah, that will support well us. well articulated, well thought yeah. through. As opposed to just sort of, in a way, we don't want to be like the deer in the headlights and, and letting the message come through, all work, yeah, we're all going to be replaced by robots and, yeah. and then not having a response to that, you know. I think, you know, it's... Because, again, that's, that's a message coming from the tech industry. Mm. And, you know, I think we have to stand up and say, well, that's not what we perhaps want. <laughs> and, uh, and we need to be able to have a clear message to saying, well, yeah, we accept that this technology is coming and it and can do great things for us. And, and, but we're not just going to stand here and, you know, and say, roll over and say, take over from me. Sure. Now, <clears throat> you're an experienced um, digital expert yep. in, in government, uh, as you say, worked mm. around the world, worked in all the big companies. What do you expect from the communications professionals working with and for government uh, to assist you with when you're going about your projects? 
Um, I think the what what we're looking for again is is to get people to think about uh, un, understanding those, uh, as I said, those some of those moral and ethical questions mm-hmm. that come up. <coughs> I think so. It's context. A, context. You're it's, looking for someone to come in and say, perhaps the view of the citizen. Yeah. To be able to bring it to a conversation to say, look, we know mm. or we understand from the data that this is really where people's attitudes are at. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's helping people along the journey. I mean, I see you know, our attitudes to you know, the tech data and how in privacy and all these things, it is like a social change movement. And if you think about how we thought about privacy and, and the use of our data 20 years ago as a society versus how we see it now, it, I mean, it's definitely moved in, you know, in terms of, you know, just the way we gladly will share data about ourselves on, you know, social media networks and whatever. But it's not, everybody's not moving at the same pace. So, you know, and again, we, we need to respect that, uh, you know, some people are, are right out there and really want to you know, embrace these sex, sorts of technologies. But there are other people who, you know, Still want to you know go slow or for a variety of reasons either just just through you know, the digital exclusion argument and not able to engage. So it's important then that you know again as we design services that we are respecting that there are people at different stages of this journey. Yeah. And I think then again from a communications point of view, it's it's yeah look this is this might be the trend. This is the direction. This is where things are moving. But we, you know, we're not there yet, and and <coughs> you know, and we, and, but there's something here for everyone, and we and we understand that some of you may not be may not want to go down this path. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the point of view of you know, say um, from a services point of view, uh, you know, say say in health, go back to health again. You know, um, there's lots of lots of advantages. You know, in terms of being able to share your health information amongst the whole. The health network, you know, and you know, with the you know the My Health record, you yeah. know, which uh, you know next year will be moving to an opt an opt out, which is you know, and some people will want, but some people will want to opt out, um, and because I say, well, you know, for good reasons, yep. I don't want, I don't believe in this, but of course that means that, you know, the service that they might get may be slightly different because if you go to a you know if you have a situation where your record is being freely you know, is being shared amongst the health professionals. Well, it's great. I don't have to tell the tell the different people in the health system, you know, my story over and over again. But someone else might decide I'm happy to do that. Mm. You know, that's you know, I because I don't want that shared, and yeah, but and that will be their choice. And mm-hmm. I think that's again from a getting a communications point of view is is letting people know you do have choice, yeah. and uh, and you should have choice. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not something that you have to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the great advantages of uh, you know of digital is being able to offer choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to be one size fits all anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we can actually understand, and this is where you know, analytics and, and data comes in. Being able to understand and people's needs, um, and, and and with that, understand the context of a situation, and then hopefully then target the service intervention that fits those needs. Mm. And as I said, and sometimes that might be they want to fill in a form or want to do it quite manually. That's yeah. okay. But really I think what you're suggesting though from a communications professional point of view in this time of, you know, massive, massive digital transformation that it's 
it's certainly not an opt out for a comms professional to not understand and have to know data oh, absolutely. and have to be able to look for data. So yeah. really your advice I'm taking would mm. be to communications professionals, you know, improve your data skills or your analytical skills perhaps. Yeah. Oh, look, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, people ask about, you know, the jobs of the future and whatever and, uh, you know, the jobs of the future will be the ones that, uh, you know, and the people I suppose who will, who will do well and, and succeed will be those who do have some, you know, understand, understand some, a bit about data, understand the principles of, you know, of data science, understand the, um, some of the legal issues around, you know, so these ethical and moral questions that will come up. Um, you know, it'll be a blend of skills from a whole range of current disciplines uh, and those people who are able to cross those sorts of boundaries I think will be, you know, they'll be very valuable in, in, you know, in, in tomorrow's market. Yeah. Um, as opposed to being a, uh, you know, okay, if I'm, a, you know, I'm just purely, I'm purely, you know, I'm good on the data but I actually don't understand any of the context of the, of the business that I'm looking at. Right. That's, you know, you're going to have to sort of blend a, a range of skills across, you know, what we traditionally see now as quite siloed disciplines. Yeah, because, you know, traditionally in communications you've got your, you know, creative types who like to, you know, create, tell stories, mm. you know, maybe create um, graphics and imagery and often they've gone into that side of the world because they don't like mathematics. Yeah. They, don't want, they don't want to be involved <laughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. But really the digital future really says unfortunately. Um, or fortunately. Or, well, but you, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, 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 you're going to, have to, going to have to do something um, about this if you want to stay relevant, which yeah. is really the, the piece, isn't it? It you? is. And, but that, that doesn't mean you have to be a, you know, an expert or a PhD, you know, a PhD yeah, sure. in these things, you know, and, and that's the... You know, it's, you know, think about it, you know, it's a bit like it's, you know, you don't have to add up anymore. You just get a calculator to do it. I mean, some of these things around the deck, you know, these these technologies is you don't necessarily will need to know, you know, how, yeah, yeah, how, how they do it. How, yeah, how the algorithm was programmed. You just need to know how to be able to analyse. Yeah, and, and you understand where these things are coming from. I mean, there's a term uh, that, uh, um, you know, one of our mutual colleagues at the at the ANU was talking about the other day was um, around explainable artificial intelligence. Yeah, um, you know, and, and this is something again that's you know I think is quite quite important as we as we as we start to use more machines in say uh, decision making or getting involved in you know in 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 um, guiding decisions using algorithms and whatever. How then does the the human expert explain to yeah. the citizens and then how does the, you know, as we go up the line to, the, you know, even up to the government, the minister and the government, they need to be able to explain what's going on. Yeah. Um, we need to be able to give a rational explanation of why the service offer for one person or one cohort was this direction and then another person or cohort was another direction. We just can't get there and say, oh, the machine did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we have to be able to have a, you know, again, you know, we need to be able to give a, uh, a good reasoning behind how and why this is being done. Don't have to actually explain the algorithm. We'll leave that to the no. mathematicians. And, and look, I think that that's a particular strength of communications mm. uh, people in, is that sense of um, 
empathetic understanding of mm. of action, perhaps yeah. of data, to be able to explain or understand mm. um, and then respond mm. um, with explanation because to me that is the role of the public sector communicator. Yeah. It may be the role of the uh, elected official to persuade yes. but it is the role of the the government and public sector communicator to explain. Their yes. job is to explain why mm. around the policy and, you know, the elements of the program and the benefits that may be realised as a result of that. So yeah. it's sort of a, I don't know, it just, it, I always go back, you know, come back to this sort of sense of overwhelming anxiety, how do I keep up, you know, how do I, so what's your advice to me, mm. I'm lying on the couch now. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Brian, tell yeah. me, how, how do I become a little bit more confident that this isn't just going to take me off in a place where I, I'm so unsettled that I really can't create that value because I do have some value to give, but I'm mm. so spooked by Accenture coming in and showing, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. that uh, I, you know, perhaps don't feel comfortable or confident enough to be able to, you know, create value. <laughs> um, yeah, lying on the couch. Yeah, I can, <laughs> sometimes that's a good place to be. Um, and actually, and just using that analogy, I mean, you know, we do have to, you know, we do have to think, you know, I think that's, you know, we do have to sit back and, and reflect a little bit on, you know, on, <coughs> on what it does mean for us. And, you know, and look, in some respects, but it's interesting you say that because mm. I think there'd be a lot of people who's listening to this podcast now who would say, "Think time mm. to think." Yeah. I don't have time to think because mm. I've got too many things to do. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it you know it it comes back to uh, you know that question of you know where is value created, and of course value is then part of all. Then how do I you know, taking say a a citizen or a customer or you know type perspective is. You know, and what we're seeing in you know in the IT industry is is very much a, a strong focus on actually how do I really design you know for delighting or pleasing or you know giving great experiences to the people I'm there to serve mm. and you know and, and that's and, and that become if that becomes my sort of uh, design paradigm that that's what I'm trying to do uh, and then using that then can guide then, you know, how, how I can behave in the future. If I'm just looking at it as a, you know, a traditional sort of process that's just that I'm just here processing and, you know, and just going through the motions, then of course it, this is very confronting. Very unsettling, yeah. But if I, you know, if I, I put myself, okay. you know, when I'm lying on the couch and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about what can I do in my role as a communications expert yeah. that's going to really delight or please or whatever the consumers or the, you know, the people I'm here to serve. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's, I think that's a great perspective because then once you've started from that sense of purpose and mission and, mm. and you know, and, and, and clarity about mm. what it is that you're trying to do, then the, um, the tools become the tools. That's exactly you know, right. Other than, you know, the other way around where they're driving you. And in, you've, you've in, hit the nail on the head there, uh, with the uh, the word tools, you know, all these digital, yeah. all this digital, yeah, you're right. they are just, you know, a new sets of tools. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty funky and cool in sometimes, <laughs> but they are they are tools. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's the it's like any, it's the people who's you know who are um, in you know running them and people who are you know using the brain power. Yeah. Um, as I said, I think you know, I think there's still a role for us, certainly for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think we're redundant yet. 
No, and and, and again, from far a, from it. Well, and from a communications professional's point of view, I think it's a long way away from the machines being able to produce that empathetic, beautiful content story yeah. led that's going to connect with the heart. You know, I don't mm. think there's the emotional intelligence yet sitting in machines that are, <laughs> is going to allow them to do that. You yeah. know, I know they keep telling us that it, it's coming. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Who knows when? Who knows when? And but you know, but again, I think there is a there's a very important narrative to be developed, um, which is to how do we bring you know the population along with all this change? Yeah. And you know, and that is, the, and that's as I said, communications people are seeing they're being worried. Well, of course, people you know the, the Australian public are nervous. Yeah. And I think you know, and, and how government gets its message out there in all the you know all the good work that it does, and, and, and across all the whole range of programs that it. That it offers, yeah, it needs to get that message out there. That, Which is, uh, yeah, it's doing, you know, it's doing a good job. Well, well, indeed it is, and I think that's the other point, isn't it? Around this is the, and this is where the content communication mm. uh, method and approach kicks in is the fact that digital has now given us the capability for government mm. to be a publisher. Yes, they can create yeah. their own content, mm. distribute, curate, and then you know measure the impacts mm. of, of what they're doing. So, I think that's a you know, an exciting new area for, for content um, communication professionals in government who can, you know, take advantage of, of, of these new digital tools mm. um, to be able to have more effect and more impact and to create those delightful experiences that you, you, you mentioned before. So it's not all bad. It's not, uh, no, all, it's look, not no. all and freakish. It's not, look, and, and as I said, having had the, you know, the, the privilege over, over the years to, you know, visit all around the world, you know, as I said, whenever you arrive back at Sydney or Melbourne Airport, whatever, you you always just, you know, tap yourself and kiss the ground. Kiss the ground and say, <laughs> We are so lucky here, you know, and, yeah. and you know, we you know, and and I think we're well positioned and you know, we're and, yeah. and government is, you know, it's aware of the issues, it's investing, it is, you know, it is it's it's conscious of the fact that it needs to, you know, move with the times in in, in, in the digital world. Yeah. Um and so I think, you know, the future's hard to predict. But I think as a country and certainly as, you know, from our government, you know, we, we will be, we'll be up there with it. Yep, indeed. Okay, Brian, thank you very much for coming in and uh, having a conversation with me today. That's really interesting stuff and I hope the people listening sort of take some encouragement, particularly from the end, maybe midway through they're a bit <laughs> sort of anxious like me. Uh, but it is an interesting time and I, I don't think we can get too far ahead of ourselves and, um, you know, there's that sort of catastrophic thinking um, that sometimes can take over where you just think, God, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, I'm, you know, I won't get out of bed. Whereas, mm. you know, today's today, today. So get out there, you know, put the, the citizen at the centre of everything that you're doing. Imagine, you know, that delightful experience and then do whatever you possibly can with your colleagues, mm. with your technology colleagues, um, with your program colleagues, with your... Uh, policy colleagues with whoever it is, you know, mm. to, to come together collaboratively to try to design, you know, best practice and take advantage of the fact that we can now publish great content um, to strengthen communities and improve the wellbeing mm. of citizens. So, And there's great stories out there. I think, you know, the, oh. the, more, the more great stories we get out there, the better. Yeah, well, I, this is the point. You know, I think the, you know, there are so many stories, you know, you know, 99% of what government does is, you know, you can disagree with them and that's what the ballot box is mm. for. You can go and, you know, cast your vote one way or the other. But 
uh, most of the intention of, of I think all policy is really to try to improve society. It's not they're trying to do anything you know other than improve things. So yeah, I think we should be encouraged by that and and get out and and tell more stories mm. because I think that will have a have a great impact. So Brian Lee Archer from Accenture, thank you very much, and to you the audience, thank you for coming back once again. And I will be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.